Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. So praise the Lord. We are for another great Wednesday night united. We're believing God for some great things to be ministered to us this evening and uh, believe that the Spirit of the Lord will uh, minister to us those things that are needful for our lives. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on uh, on Wednesday evenings. What has your attention? And uh, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, which has been our foundational scripture. But as you're going there, I want to remind you the enemy works to distract. And I've said this over the years that he's a master of distraction. And if he can get you distracted, uh, then he can begin to work in other areas Uh, of your life and what he wants to distract you from is what God wants and he wants that distraction to hold your attention when when you talk about being distracted it ultimately what it means is that you're turning your attention from one thing and you're turning your attention to another thing and here in first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 It says, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, some shall depart, the last times, the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now this is important. And then it says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now notice, giving heed. These people uh, gave themselves to something that ultimately caused them to depart from the faith, to depart from the Christian faith, to quit believing, in other words, that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is the answer and Jesus is the, the, the cure to the sin problem. They quit believing that and started believing something else. And it tells us why. Because they gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, again, the, the, the phrase giving heed means to bring near, to turn the mind to, and the one that really grabbed my attention was to hold the mind towards. So what we see from this is that the enemy wants the believer to turn their mind to or hold their mind towards this distraction. All right, to turn my mind to it or to hold my mind towards that distraction. This is so important because in every area of life, everything that God wants you to do, everything that God wants you to walk in, the Word of God requires your attention. The plan of God requires your attention. It requires that you not be distracted, all right, by anything that may be going on. The enemy wants the believer to turn their mind to or hold their mind on or towards that distraction. All right? Now, the enemy produces the distraction. And then it's up to me if I turn my mind to it. 
or allow the distraction to hold my mind. All right, if I allow my mind to be turned to that, or if I allow that distraction to hold my attention, that's up to me. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, Isaiah chapter 26, And verse 3, it's a familiar passage of Scripture to some, but notice it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The Amplified Bible says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because... He commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Now, the word mind there, it's, it's, it's this way in the Greek. It's also there in the center column reference. The word mind is the thoughts or the imagination. The thoughts or the imagination. That's important. Because it's not, notice that thoughts and imagination are two different things. Thoughts or imagination. In other words, I begin to mentally image, I begin to imagine after the thought comes. All right, for, for instance, if a thought comes to your mind, car wreck. Okay, car wreck. But then you can begin to imagine my spouse in a car wreck, my child in a car wreck, my family member in a car wreck. Right? There begins to be an image built in your mind. So the thought comes and then the image begins to be built. It's a Hebrew word that means imagination that forms or frames up. Imagination that forms or frames up. So imagination does what? It frames up your reality. What you begin to imagine frames up your reality. This is so important. Because right or wrong, good or bad, if that distraction, if that thought has my imagination, it's going to form up my reality. Right or wrong, good or bad, unreasonable, it's going to form up my reality. Because that's, that's how this works. Notice he says, if your mind is stayed, your thoughts and your imagination is stayed on him, that you'll have perfect peace or double peace or complete peace. But notice the phrase, your mind, your thoughts, your imaginations have to be stayed on him they have to be stayed they have to be fixed they have to be kept on him so I am the determining witness I'm the determining factor about where does my mind stay what do I give my mind to all right and remember that my mind is not just my brain it's not my physical brain it's it's not that 
three or four pounds of gray matter that's in your head. Your mind is your, your will, your emotions. It's your, it's your solical realm. What your mind starts thinking on and imagining, your emotions and your will follow. Amen. People will say, well, that, that person finally, they, their, their will was finally broken. How was their will finally broken? Their thought processes were involved in that. They finally gave in to that. Well, why did they finally give in? They kept thinking about it. They kept meditating on it. They kept imagining it, right? It, folks, listen, this is how everything in the Word of God works. When you meditate on the Word of God and you think on the Word of God and you imagine the Word of God and you see yourself healed and you see yourself blessed and you see yourself successful and you're consistently imagining that and declaring the Word of God, you're holding your mind towards that. Whatever happens over here is happening. I'm keeping my mind held on what God said. Whatever's occurring over here is occurring, but I'm keeping my mind held on what God said. What you're keeping your mind held on is what's going to happen. Period. That's what's going to happen. Why scripture says so. See, that's enough. That's enough, what the scripture says. Amen. So, what a person continually gives their imagination to will be real to them. No matter how unreasonable, no matter how unreasonable it may be. I've dealt with people before that thought on something to the point that it was just unreasonable. It made no sense what they were saying, but it was real to them. It was real to them because they kept their imagination on it. Hallelujah. Do you see that? No matter how unreasonable it may be. Because their mind was stayed on it. See, the enemy starts with the distraction. Whatever it may be. Now you start thinking on that and meditating on that and imagining that and it becomes real to you. Hallelujah. The enemy is after your attention. After your attention. After your focus. Amen. When, when I'm working on something, I've, I've developed something in, in my life. When I'm working on something, when I am intent on something, Someone can come to my office door and knock on my office door. I'm not going to look up till I'm done with what I'm looking at. Because I will not allow attention breakers. Now that, that's something I personally do. I'm not saying you have to do that. But I've, I've got to have my attention on this. All right? So the enemy wants, notice, the attention. He's after your attention. Then, once he gets your attention, he goes after your thoughts. Now he's got my attention. He's got me looking this way. Now he's going to start bringing the thoughts in there. 
Listen, just like you have to replace your thoughts with God's thoughts, the enemy has to get you to replace your thoughts with his thoughts. Amen. He's, let, let me say this. Then he can use your thoughts and your imagination to turn and form and create your reality. Because the devil can't imagine something for me. He has to use my imagination to do it. Just like the devil cannot get you into certain situations if he don't use your words. He's got to get you to say certain things so he can cause it to come to pass. Because I authorize it through my words. He's got to get you to start thinking. He's got to get you to start imagining. Because he knows that once he gets a person thinking that way and imagining that way, they're going to go that way. See, what has your attention? Where is your focus? Where is the, the attention centered up on? Amen. In uh, Genesis chapter 6, So he's got to use my imagination. The Lord told me years ago, he said, the one that wins the mind wins the game. That is so important. And very often when we talk about the mind and we talk about different things in the church, uh, there's kind of almost a flippancy about it. Well, all you got to do is renew your mind. Right, but renewing your mind is work. It doesn't just happen. It's something that you've got to do on a daily basis. It's something that you've got to consistently put pressure on to keep operating in your life. Brother Hagin said this. He said, your mind isn't going to stay renewed anymore and your hair stays combed. You've got to get up every day and in some aspect renew your mind because you're going to receive a report. You're going to hear something. You're going to see something, right? And if your mind is easily pulled over to focus on that, then the enemy's got your attention. When it's the Word of God that has to have and maintain my attention. And while that may seem elementary, when, when, when you think about it, we use this story. Let me illustrate. The disciples are in the boat. There's a storm going on. Jesus has stayed behind to let the people go and pray. Well, it says what? In the third watch of the night, he came what? Walking on the water towards them. They saw him and thought it was a spirit and cried out for fear. And what did Jesus say? It's me. Don't be afraid. Now think about this for a moment. Then Peter says... Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Now, there's a couple things I want to point out. First of all is this. Is people will use Peter there as a great example of faith. And that regardless of the storm, you know, where were the other 11? Why didn't they get out of the boat? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us why. 
But you also cannot put in there that it was God's will for Peter to get out of that boat. Jesus was coming to him. But here's the issue. Nevertheless, nonetheless, he got out of the boat. And we preach this and we teach this, but look at it in its raw base form. He walked, he got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. Stop and listen. Put your religious ears away and listen to what the Spirit's saying to us. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water. I don't care how spiritual you are in here tonight, you have never walked on the water. And here's the deal, you never will. Unless there's just an extreme thing and you need the working of miracles and this has got to be the way it is, you will probably never walk on the water. Amen. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. What was his thinking? What, What did he step out of that boat thinking Jesus told me to come to him he didn't tell him to come to him necessarily because it was his idea Peter said if it's you tell me to come well Jesus couldn't deny it was him no it's not me pay no attention no that no right he got out of the boat and he walked on the water to go to Jesus but it says something when he saw distraction when he saw When he saw, when he saw the wind and the waves. When he saw, watch the next phrase, beginning to sink. Beginning to sink. When did the beginning to sink come in? After he saw, after he was distracted, after his attention was diverted, after the after. And we could say the devil. After the devil got his focus, what happened? Beginning to sink. Beginning to sink. Now, the the, the rest of that is that he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus grabbed him. But notice that Jesus did not grab him and say, Boy, Peter, that was a good old try, man. You You almost got here. He said, Where was your faith? Where was your faith? What does faith require? Attention. What does faith demand? That you give God's word all of your attention. That's what faith demands. Amen. You can only act in faith if the the word has the fullness of your attention. Because faith is not just an act. Faith is acting on the Word. If the Word doesn't have your attention, you don't have anything to act on. Saw the wind and the waves beginning to sink. And Jesus said he had little faith. Oh, you of little faith, is what he said. Well, well, well what happened? Where, where did his faith Shrink when he saw, when he saw, amen, 
You know, there are a lot of people that have amazing faith if they never see a bad report. They have big, great faith as long as nothing's challenging them. But the moment there's a challenge, the moment that, there's, that, that something stands up and says, I'm going to resist you, they get their attention diverted. Amen. Do you see this? He saw and he began to sink. And, and, and as people preached over this over the years, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with them, they said, well, he, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, that's exactly right. As long as he had a focused center point that he was looking at, the winds and the waves could not affect him. But notice in that instance, what did he have the choice to do? Stay focused on Jesus or allow his attention to be diverted. Amen. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but, 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 but think what it says. It says that Peter cried out, Lord, help me. Why was he crying out? Because he's standing on the Sea of Galilee. The, the wind is causing the waves, right? The, 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 the water is rocking. He understands what's going to happen. If I sink, I'm going to drown. So in that moment of time, however long it was, that he saw the wind and the waves and, and beginning to sink, Immediately, he imagined himself drowning. He imagined himself not making it. And he called out to Jesus, and Jesus helped him. Jesus saved him. But notice how quick the attention diversion produced a wrong thought and a wrong imagination. That quick. Amen. That's why when you go to the doctor, the word has to have your attention when you go. When you're dealing with certain situation, the word has to have your attention when you're dealing with it. Why? Because what if you go to the doctor and you get a bad report? Well, I'm believing I won't get one. Well, I'm believing you won't either. But what if you go and you get a bad report? It's going to be dependent on what has your attention. The way you come out will be determined by what has your attention. Amen. Do you see that? Well, I'm believing for this to go my way. I'm believing with you. And, and if we're believing and we have agreed, it will turn. It will end up for your good. All things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Right? We're praying in the Spirit. We're standing in faith. It's all going to turn for our good. But hear me. In that moment, in that period of time, when you receive a report, or you see a certain situation, or you feel a thing, or you sense a thing, or something occurs, it's what has your attention that's going to determine the way you come out of it. Glory be to God. Amen. That's why James said, James said this. He said, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you deceive yourself. You hear the word. In other words, I think because I heard the word, I got it. But James says there will come a time you got to do the word. Doers have their attention on the word. 
Because I'm doing, and what am I doing? The Word. I'm doing the Word. That has my attention. That has my focus. That is forming my imaginations. I've told this story over and over again. I went through a physical battle some years ago. And uh, uh, I'll be quite frank with you. There were were some days I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how things were going to turn out. But I made a decision. I'm going to see myself healed. I'm going to see myself well. I'm going to see myself delivered. Amen. And, and I would get up every morning and I would put uh, that CD of healing songs on by Brother Keith Moore. And one of the songs that he sang on that, on that CD was, I see me as healed. 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 And part of the song says, you know, I see what's going on in my physical body. But there's a picture in my spirit of a strong and healthy man. That's where my attention had to be. The enemy would bring all kinds of things in my mind. What are your fa- what's your family going to do? What about your wife? What about your children? What if you die? Well, you know, you do know as a believer that if you die, the other side of that's glory. Didn't get too many amens out of that, but, right? So, so the enemy will try to bring that along as something that, to make you fearful or make you afraid. Man, the other side of that's glory. But I got a lot to do on the earth. I've got things to do, ministry to fulfill. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. I would lay in that living room floor and just meditate on that. I see me as healed. I see me as delivered. I see me as set free. I had to choose what had my attention. Amen. The enemy would try to make you feel like, focus on how you feel. And he would come to me, you can't breathe. You you got chest pains, you got this, you got that, you got the other. What I have to focus on. No, 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 no. Jesus bore my pain. He carried my diseases. I'm a free man. I'm a healed man. Amen. I had to choose what had my attention. Was it a challenge? Yes. Was it easy? No. Did it have to be done? Yes. Why? Because whatever you deal with, whatever you face, if you're going to come out of it, it's up to you. There is no question about the validity and the power of this word to deliver. The only question is, will you do what it takes to cause this to function in your life? Will I do what it takes to cause this word to function in my life? Amen. You know, if you get a bad report, it doesn't mean that your attention was on the wrong thing. The bad report is what's trying to get your attention. I've got to decide if I allow that to happen. I hope I'm helping you. I'm helping me. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, notice this. 
Now, let me say this before we read this verse. That's why the enemy fights so hard to get your imagination because he's got to get you to start thinking it. Think, see, be. Those three things never change. The way you think is the way you're going to see it, and that's ultimately how it's going to be. Those things never change. Say it out loud. Think, see, and be. That those three things never change. If I think that way, I will see that way, and I will be that way. Hallelujah. I have over the years uh, dealt with a lot of people in substance abuse recovery, alcohol recovery, uh, uh, drug addiction. And I've seen over the years and been in contact with certain people that maybe they had not taken a drink of alcohol for years. And they were in a 12-step program. But if you went to them and asked them, are you an alcoholic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll always be an alcoholic. Yeah, but you're not drinking. Oh, yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm still an alcoholic. That's the whole premise of a program like that is admit it, and you do, you have to admit it, right? I'm powerless over this addiction. Well, you got to admit that to get help. You got to admit your powerlessness to get help from God. But then there's a moving on. Here's my point, though. You cannot help someone be free if they see themselves as bound. I cannot help someone not be an alcoholic if they see themselves as an alcoholic. What has their attention? Amen. And the enemy's got to use your imagination to cause those things to come to pass. In Genesis 6 and 5, the Lord is dealing here uh, before he spoke with Noah. And he said, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, everybody say every imagination, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. This is so important because the wickedness of man was so great. Why? Because of what their minds were on. And notice what it says, continually. The phrase every imagination means the whole imagination. So they had given the whole of their imagination to wickedness. The Hebrew word signifies not only the imagination, but the purposes and the desires. The purposes and the desires. So what does that tell us? What you think on and give your mind to will eventually become your purpose and your desire. 
And, and it may be something that someone says, well, I don't desire that. I don't want that to be my purpose. I don't desire that thing to come into my life. But if you are consistently giving your attention to it and giving your thoughts to it and allowing it to have your attention, understand something. That your spirit, the spirit of man, responds to what has your attention. Hallelujah. It responds to what has your attention. If you're consistently giving your attention to the things of God, your spirit responds, your spirit is getting stronger, your spirit is exercising, but when you're constantly giving your attention to, the, to whatever it may be, the, the, the negative, the, the, the doubt-filled, the fear-filled, whatever it may be, when you're giving your attention to something other than the Word of God on a consistent basis, then what happens is not only is your spirit getting weaker, your spirit is, is putting up no resistance because that's what you're choosing to think on. And what I choose to think on and choose to put into my life and choose to allow into my mind, my spirit has no option but to allow it because I'm the one in charge of what I'm thinking on. And in essence, to put it in very uh, elementary terms, then the spirit in many cases is, is there saying, I don't know why they want that, but okay. Hallelujah. And so these people, it says... That their whole imagination was on wickedness. Now think about this for a moment. We read Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What if you took your imagination and just put your whole imagination on what God said and kept your whole thoughts and your whole uh, thought processes on what God said. What would be the result? Great victory. Great abundance. Great overcoming ability. Why? Because my whole imagination's on that. Glory to God. I've talked to people before. And, and, and they would be going through something. I would say, well, you, you, you know what the word says. Well, yeah, but. What is yeah, but? Yeah, but is about to tell me what has their attention? Right? Think, think of it in a very simple term. If, 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 it's a, if it's a hot day, which we know something about that in Kansas and Arkansas, and you come in and you look at somebody and you the sky's blue and, 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 and there's a gentle breeze blowing and you come in and you say, well, boy, it sure is a beautiful day. Inevitably, you'll hear somebody say, yeah, but it sure is hot. Well, what's that got to do with the beautiful day? It's summer. Right? It's August. In DeSoto, Kansas. You know that August in DeSoto, Kansas is three blocks from the gate of hell. It's so hot. 
But it doesn't change the day. It doesn't, it doesn't change the beauty of the day. But if your thinking is wrong, then you're going to be focused on something that totally distracts from how good it really is. How great it really is. Amen. So it says they were on this continually. What you think on and give your mind to will eventually become your purpose and your desire. Eventually. Eventually. Because I can't think on something long enough without going that way. Amen. You can't think on something long enough without going that way. Have you ever uh, seen someone, or maybe you've been that person, and, and maybe you drive? Well, let me use myself for an example. I run. I'm a runner. And, and I discover the cities that I live in by running. It's just, it's a wonderful thing. But here's how it works. I'll be running the normal path, and I'll see a road, or I'll see a trail, or I'll see a sidewalk, and it's going a direction I've never been. And the first thing that will happen the first day or the second day is I'll think, I'll think, I'll think, I'll think, I'll think. I wonder where that goes. Did, did you see that? I'll think. I wonder where that trail goes. Do you know the next day I'm going to run that trail? Why? Because every time I run by it, I think. Where's that go? wonder where that goes. Amen. And there's been times I've been pleasantly surprised. And there's been times I thought, that's a waste of time. Because it was short or it just it ended or whatever the case may be. But why did I even go down that road? I didn't know what was down that road. I didn't know what was at the end of it. But I kept thinking, I wonder where that goes. Amen. Well, listen to this. Here's where this goes. When you start thinking and meditating consistently and constantly on what God said, He said that path leads you to perfect peace. Right? When you start thinking and meditating on the wrong thing, it leads you to destruction. It leads you to defeat. It leads you to being overcome by the thing that you've been given the authority over. Amen. And that's how the enemy works. He gives options. He gives another trail. Right? I'm on the trail that God's got me on, and somewhere up ahead, eventually, there will be an option. And I'll go by that trail, and the enemy will put a thought in my mind. wonder where that goes. Right? If you know it's the enemy, if you know it's not God, don't give your attention to it. So the enemy robs people of their purpose and destiny every day by distracting them and then using them, uh, encouraging them to use their God given imagination for something contrary to God's plan. 
That doesn't have to be something sinful. The enemy will use your God-given imagination to imagine yourself not making it. To imagine yourself failing. To imagine yourself being defeated. To imagine yourself losing. Or losing out. Or losing something. God will bless a person with something. A home, a house, a car. Whatever it may be. And the enemy will come along with thoughts of you could lose it. What if you lose it? What if this? What if that? God will give somebody a job and bless them with a job. And the enemy will come along and say, well, what if they start laying off? What are you going to do then? Here's the thing. You start meditating on the layoff, your name will be at the top of the list. Why? Because you imagined it. And remember the, the very beginning, we talked about the imagination frames the reality. And here's, oh my Lord, help me say this right. Here's the problem with that, is then you begin acting the way that you're imagining. To use that, that illustration, if you start imagining yourself losing your job, being laid off, it can be a job that meets your needs, a job that you love, a job that you care about, but you'll start acting like a person who's going to get laid off. Amen. You'll start looking for another job under the guise of just being prepared and God gave you the job that you're afraid you'll get laid off from. Why are you afraid? You've given your attention to the possibility that you can get laid off. We know, Pastor, I can. I can get laid off. Right, I, I understand that. Hear what I'm saying with this. I'm not talking about denial. But here's what I'm saying. When you begin to imagine the worst case scenario, you set yourself up to live in that worst case scenario. You'll start working on your job like you're not going to be there very long. Well, you know, what does it matter? I'm going to get laid off soon anyway. I mean, layoffs are coming down, so I'm going to get laid off. You'll start thinking that way, acting that way. You'll start acting out of fear. You'll, you'll start doing things that you would have never done under the guise of, I want to save my job. Amen. I, I, I had a brother in the, in the Little Rock location that came to me, and it was just as simple. He said, you know, at, at my job, and, and he had asked me to agree with him that he would get that job. And God bled. Now, I'm not saying that's because of me. He and I agreed, acted on the word, and God gave him that job. It's the job he wanted. It's the job that he needed. Amen. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, I want you to be in agreement with me. They're talking about layoffs, and I want you to be in agreement with me that, that, that I will not be one of the ones they lay off. Well, I know him, and I know that I know he doesn't play games with that. He's not just mouthing words. And I said, I'm in agreement with you that you will not be laid off. Now, here's the thing. He didn't have tenure on that job. Hadn't been there as long as some people. But guess what? The layoffs came out, and his name wasn't on the list. And I believe it's never going to be on the list. Now, that didn't just happen. He believed something. There's something he believed. Enough to act on it. Enough to go to work and not act like I'm going to get laid off. 
enough to go to work and not talk to his wife about, well, you know, I could get laid off and we better cut back here and, and you know, we better not plan this for the house because you never know. I mean, I might get laid off and if I get laid off, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, I can get unemployment, but it's not going to be that much. I, I promise you, I don't know their personal conversations, but I promise you that never came out of his mouth. I promise you. Number one, because I know him. Number one, I see the results. And the results he got did not come out of somebody's life that was constantly imagining destruction, imagining losing a job, because what you begin to imagine, you begin to talk, and what you begin to talk, you attract, and what you attract is what you're going to do. Glory to God. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Look at Genesis 3, please. Hallelujah. That's why in all, in all the, the, the season that, that, that we're in, what you're constantly hearing is a report, a report of this, a report of that, a report of this. Keep your mind stayed on Him. Amen. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 7. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of them both were open, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now notice, the serpent was more subtle. That word subtle means crafty, sneaky. Now understand, the serpent was used by the devil. He was a willing participant in the devil's plan. All right? This, this is so important to understand. That's, that's why he ended up with a curse on it. But there was nothing said at first that would cause Eve to be suspicious. Think about that. Has God said you shouldn't eat of the trees of the garden? Well, it's just a question. And Eve answered him. Nothing said in the beginning that would cause suspicion. But the enemy got her to think about that tree in a way that she never had before. Amen. He got her to think about that tree in a way that he never had before. Hallelujah. You know, I remember seeing a show years ago, and this, this was a long time ago, I'm going to date myself, 
It was uh, back when Tom Selleck uh, played Thomas Magnum in Magnum P.I. And, and one day he was flying with his friend, you remember, owned the helicopter, TC? And he was flying him out over the ocean. He's going to drop him off, and he's going he's to row in, into land. And they're hovering, and he has dropped the kayak down into the water. And uh, uh, TC goes, uh, man, aren't you worried about sharks? And, of course, he just looked at him kind of incredulous and, and dropped out of the helicopter uh, into the water, got up in the kayak. And he's sitting there in the kayak, and you remember they did voiceovers in that, in that show. And he said, uh, uh, never thought about sharks till right now. Now, that's not a spiritual show, but it's a spiritual principle. When did he start thinking about sharks? When somebody told him about them. He started thinking about what he was doing, right, in a totally different way. Do you know everybody's house has spiders in them? Everybody. Everybody's house. Everybody's house. But when you're just sitting around your house through the day, you don't think anything about it until you see one. Right? And if you have a problem with spiders, it bothers you. But most people, even people that have problems with spiders, don't realize that statistics say that every one of us have had spiders crawl in our mouth while we're asleep and we didn't even know it. Every one of us. They say the probability is that every person did that. Now, if you meditate on that, what are you going to do? If you got a problem, what are you going to do? Never sleep? Tape your mouth shut? Sleep in a bubble? Well, we know all of those ideas are ridiculous. So what's the best thing to do? Understand that I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm going to declare that that's not going to happen to me. Amen. He started making her think about that tree in a different way. Until this time, the fact that God had said, don't eat of it was enough. That's all they needed. Amen. That's all they needed. When you're raising a child, there are times to explain decisions, and then there are times that just me saying no as the parent is enough. Right? Then the enemy came with a distraction and a lie. A distraction, notice, and a lie. Here, here, notice the distraction. As God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. She said, this is what God said. Here's the lie. You'll not surely die. Here's the new thought. Because God knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. So the thought she had was God said don't, so that's enough. Then the enemy came and said, did God say that? She said, this is what God said. Then the enemy said, well, I understand that God said you would die, but you won't die. He knows that there's something more he's trying to keep you from. Watch. Watch. 
This is important. And when the woman saw, now notice, this is important. She had always saw that tree. But now she saw that tree through an imagination and a thought formed by the enemy. Now she did not see that tree as something she was not supposed to partake of. She saw it through the imagination the enemy had produced as a tree that could make you wise and put you on the same level as God, even though that thought process was going to bring her in direct violation of what God wanted for her life. Amen. Hallelujah. The enemy's distractions are always trying to move you away from truth. Well, if you were healed, why do you still have pain? Well, if you were healed, you would look better. Well, if you were healed, you wouldn't have to take medicine. Right? Now we've been taught, you've been taught good in this church. We know I'm healed because the word says I'm healed. I'm, I, I'm not healed because I feel it. I'm not healed because I don't take medicine. I'm not healed for any other reason other than this is what the word said. And if I stick with what the word says, all that other stuff will go away. But notice the distraction. You'll, you'll, you'll make your confession. Praise God. I thank you, Lord. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm healed in my body. I'm healed in, in every part of my body, every, every organ, every limb, every muscle, every part of my body is healed and whole and well. I thank you that you bless my bread and water and you move sickness from my midst in Jesus' name. Well, if you were healed, you wouldn't have a problem getting up and down the steps. Right? And many believers, unfortunately, Start thinking that way. Well, yeah. I guess if I was healed, I wouldn't have this problem. But the problem was there before you started saying you were healed. And there was a point where you were declaring you were healed and believing it in spite of what you were dealing with in the physical. What changed your thought? Hello? Folks, listen. If, does the word change? Does the word change? Can it be wrong? The answer is no. So you're taking something that cannot be wrong and cannot change, and you're applying it to a situation, hear me, that is there, it's evident, but it can be changed by the Word. Right? So you're taking something that cannot be changed, the Word that always works, that will always work, and you're applying it to something that needs to change. And the Word will begin to change it. The Word will begin to remove it. The Word will begin to fix it. Now what will happen... If I keep my thoughts stayed that way, the word, that, that David Ingalls song that Charles Capps used to come on his radio program, later his television program for years, the word 
is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word is working mightily in me. When? Right now. When's the Word working in you? Right now. Say it out loud. The Word is working mightily in me right now. Say it again. The Word is working mightily in me right now. That's your focus. Right? Now what has to happen for that to stop working is I have to change my focus. Here's the problem, but my focus is the Word is working mightily in me. My faith is growing. My belief is growing. The Word is gaining steam. The Word is producing results. Right? And, 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 and if, I, if, I, if I have a symptom or if I have an issue, I say, no, the Word's working mightily in me. I might even have to go to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, this is the deal. Yeah, but the Word's working mightily in me. Well, we need to do that. The Word's working mightily in me. Do, do you see my point? What has to change for me to move away from the Word? My focus. My thought. Well, yeah, I, I was declaring scriptures, but nothing's getting any better. Who told you that? Who said nothing's getting any better? That's not a scripture. There's not a scripture that says you declare the word and nothing gets better. See, it's, it's the focus. And the distraction was ultimately designed to move them away from what God had said and what God desired. From what we know, Eve and Adam... did not put up any resistance to these thoughts. They allowed their imagination to be formed by the distraction. Right? Well, people will say, yeah, but the, the fruit must have looked so delicious. And, and I, I understand that, but... When did they start thinking, oh, that looks delicious, that looks wonderful, that looks great? They didn't think that way before from what we know. We don't know everything, but from what we can see, it started with the thought. And notice this. Notice that that is so important that it wasn't overbearing, it wasn't arm-twisting, it wasn't uh, thumping them in the chest. It was subtle, crafty, sweet. Smooth words, as God said. Oh, now God, God knows you won't die when you touch that tree. God knows, listen, listen, Eve, listen. He's hiding something from you. Yeah, I know the, 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 the word works for some people, but you're just not one of them. You'll hear a testimony in church like the one we gave about the brother not being laid off. And you'll say, praise God, that's, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm standing on that, 
And the enemy will come and go, well, yeah, but that's him. I mean, after all, you know, the Bible does say, and he'll, he'll come up with some, some scripture, each man's been given the measure of faith, and his faith was just bigger than yours, and, and, and you know, that's why, and you can't, you can't expect the same results. The devil will say things and use scripture and sound real spiritual while he's saying it to get to you. Right? What needs to be the response there? Yep, you know what? Devil, that's right. He probably does. He might have more faith than me. But I've been given a measure of the God kind of faith. And Jesus said that if I would take that measure of the God kind of faith, if it's as small as a mustard seed, that even if I had that little amount of faith, that I would speak to that tree and tell it to go jump in the lake and it would do it. And my faith can grow exceedingly. So to grow my faith, I'm telling you right now, I will not be laid off. Don't, don't think about it. Don't think about it for a moment. Don't give your thought to the devil for a second. Because he's always going to try to tell you how bad things could turn out and how horrible things could be. No, you stay with the word. I'm hurrying. Bear with me. My reality as a believer has to be a word-based reality. My reality is formed by what the Word said. And then I keep my thoughts and my imaginations in line with the Word. So my reality is a Word-based reality. What's the Word say? This is reality for me. Now, one last scripture, 2 Corinthians 10. Am I helping you? I believe I am. Hallelujah. You, you, you cannot be terrified because the scripture says in nothing terrified by our adversaries, which to them is an evident token of their perdition. Don't ever let anything addle you or cause you to be afraid. I don't know if that's possible. It's possible because it's up to you. Any report, amen, anything that the enemy says, don't let it addle you. Anything that you hear. Pastor Michelle and I like to watch this show uh, uh, when it's on every year, Shark Week. And we enjoy it. It's one of the, the only uh, programs that we watch on regular TV. And, uh, but you know, Pastor Michelle was telling me something one time we were talking about this. You know, when you, you go to sleep after Shark Week, <laughs> and she said, you're so keyed up, because you're watching sharks. And the whole thing with sharks is, ooh, you know, oh, they're, they're ambush predators. They're coming from the bottom. I mean, they're going after the fur seals and, and, and the elephant seals. And, and, you know, where are they going to strike? Wham! Here they are, you know. Wah! That's, that's my point in saying that 
is that is the whole thing with the enemy. Trying to get you keyed up, trying to get you addled. When you hear a word, you hear a phrase. Cancer. I've had, I've had, I've known of people that did that. Well, I was doing real good till I, you know, went to the doctor and he said cancer. What changed? Thought, imagination. When you hear cancer, what do you think? A lot of people think dying. Why? There's no cure. Yeah, but there's multitudes of people that have beat it. Here, just in the natural, with no spiritual help. And you add the people that have been healed of it supernaturally, and the numbers are even bigger. Right? I knew a person one time. That was that that if you looked at them, they were very strong in what they believed. They're very strong in the belief of healing. Y'all not docking me, are you? Give, give me a few minutes. I, I got to say these things. It's important in the season we're in. Not just, not just the season that's going on in the world. The season this church is in. We got to keep our focus. We got to maintain our attention. I mean strong on healing. I mean almost, just almost. Talked ugly about doctors. Almost. Went to the doctor and was diagnosed with a congestive heart failure. And when I talked to him on the phone, they were sharing the di diagnosis with me and just basically pretty much said to me that day, well, you know, it's over. With just a diagnosis. Now, see, a person whose mind has stayed on the Word thinks, okay, I got a diagnosis, but I can take the Word and I can overcome this. Amen. But that diagnosis, congestive heart failure. When the doctor looked at that person and said, well, your days of doing what you've been doing are over. Because with the condition of your heart, you can't. That person grabbed a hold of that and took that. I can't do anything anymore because of my heart. Now, thankfully, that person was a believer, born again, and they went to heaven. But inside of a month, they passed away from that diagnosis. Are you following me? Notice what the Word says we're to do. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 through 5. I want to read it to you from the Woos Bible. For though we are ordering our behavior in the sphere of human experience, not according with mere human considerations are we waging warfare against evil. For the weapons of our warfare are not human but mighty in God's sight, resulting in the demolition of fortresses. These fortresses that we demolish are thoughts. If you study this verse out in the Greek, you can, you can get uh, 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 New Testament words by Dr. Ralph Earl, 
And he talks in there and speaks in there about how this word in the Greek, when it, when it talks about the weapons of our warfare are not mighty, are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds are thoughts. Those strongholds are thoughts. All right? And he said, Scripture says, notice, that we demolish those fortresses. Those thoughts bring us into captivity. They, they produce a fortress that keeps us away from the things of God. It's a prison. In the beginning of that word, it meant a fortress that kept people out. By the time Paul wrote this, it denoted a prison that keeps people in. So those thoughts keep you bound. Those thoughts keep you in prison. And Paul says the only way that I can demolish those strongholds, notice, because he says in verse 5, casting down imaginations. Now this is an important word. It's the word reasonings. Reasonings. The Woos Bible says, demolishing reasonings and every haughty mental elevation that lifts itself up against the experiential knowledge which we believers have of God and leading every thought, some thoughts, most thoughts, 90% of thoughts, 99% of thoughts. Is that what it says? Every thought. Notice the, the verbiage. Leading Every thought captive. King James says, bringing into captivity. Every thought. Now, now listen, listen. If you're told to lead every thought and bring every thought into captivity, can you do it? Is it possible? So whose mind is your mind? Your mind. My mind is my mind. Right? So Paul says, leading every thought captive in the obedience of Christ. Now here's the idea. It talks about orators. Now I'm going to date myself again. You remember when you used to watch, look at the, uh, the uh, uh, comics? Some people called them the funny pages. I don't even know if they have them anymore. I haven't read the paper in so long, I don't even know if they have them anymore. But, but I used to like to, to read those comics, you know, like High and Lois, Family Circus. Uh, anybody remember uh, Blondie, Dagwood and Blondie, right? Well, if, if every now and then you would see one of those characters that you read and uh, uh, Andy Cap. Anybody remember that comic strip, Andy Cap? I used to like to read Andy Cap. But... Every now and then, they'd be trying to make a decision, and they'd show a comic of a guy trying to make a decision, and a devil would show up on this shoulder. And then an angel would show up on this shoulder, and they're both speaking in his ear. Now, this is not comic strip theology, but what I'm trying to tell you is that is, even though they may not have known it, that is an exact picture of what Paul's talking about here. Is that there is an orator on one shoulder speaking the lie 
and an orator on the other shoulder speaking the truth. Reasonings. There's two professors trying to get you to see their point of view. If you think long enough on the lie, it'll produce a fortress in your mind. I have to refute that argument. What does that mean? Slap it down. Cast it down violently. Right? What did Jesus say? From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven and suffered violence, and the violent do what? Take it by force. Everybody say, take it. Pastor Michelle illustrated this so beautifully. I'm almost done. She illustrated this so beautifully on a Sunday morning in DeSoto. And she was talking about this word, cast down. It's, it's a word that means to come down heavy on. It's, it's, if I remember correctly, it's the word kata in the Greek. It means to, to come down heavily. All right? When, when, when I practiced martial arts, I had to do a lot of, my sensei was big on kata. All right? Well, kata is basically a, a beautiful form. It means form. It's, it's a beautiful form of the technique that you will use that you'll be taught. But, it, but, but the thing with the movements is they're very crisp. They're very hard. All right? If you just kind of get out there and you kind of... You know, that's not kata. As a matter of fact, you'll be asked to set down and he'll bring somebody else up that'll, that'll put some energy into it. Right? It's, it's very, very crisp, very fast movements. All right? When, 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 when he was describing a low block to us, if, if, if you just kind of went through the motions, man, you were asking for a whooping. Amen. Because, because if, if somebody is attempting to harm you, you're not going to go, oh. Right? It's, it's, it's going to be a strike. Bam! You're, you're going to hit them with everything you've got. Why? There's a knife. There's a gun. They're attempting to bring me into captivity. Right? If I, if I deliver a strike to that neck, I'm, I'm not, it's not a love tap. I'm trying to knock you out. Why? Because you're trying to bring me into captivity. The devil is not just playing with your thought life. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to bring you into captivity to his desire and his, and his passion for your life. Paul said... You've got to cast it down, slap it down, come down hard on it. I'm not letting that in my life. Amen. And, and you know, as I'm, as I'm ending, I, every, every day, every day, every session in the dojo, in the morning, I would wake up and my arms would be bruised from the wrist to the elbows from hitting other students, blocking their punches, blocking their kicks. Amen. Because we didn't go maybe full steam 
but we have to go full enough to understand what we're doing. This is so important. So the idea here is if I think long enough on the lie, it'll produce a fortress in my mind. But listen, if I refute that argument, if I slap it down, if I forcefully bring it into submission, I'll demolish that stronghold the enemy's trying to bring into my life. Isn't that good news? What you give your attention to determines the level of victory and freedom you'll walk in. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm free, and I'm staying free. My mind is stayed on God and His Word, and I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. In Jesus' name. Well, stand up, everybody.